so excited about today's episode, folks. Today we have Doug Maiden for joining me, and I am so excited to introduce him to you all and also to get to catch up with Doug, um, an old friend in my head. <laughs> but we've known each other now for probably about five or six, five-ish years. Oh, I bet it's longer but, um, than that, Rachel. Actually, yeah, I mean, we're it's been definitely, a while. yeah, and we're connected um, somehow ancestrally too through yeah. our heritage. <laughs> I know it's there, but we haven't sorted it out yet, but you know. Definitely a thing. But yeah, yep. Doug, um, so we met a couple years ago online, and Doug was one of the first people in the Pennsylvania Dutch, the modern, um, or the contemporary Pennsylvania Dutch community that was very, very generous and um, uh, charitable with his time for me and made made so much time for me to ask him a million annoying questions and also helped me translate my um, MFA project, Penny Olive, into Pennsylvania Dutch. So amazing. Yep. Thank you, Doug. I mean, I will forever, you'll, you'll always have a very dear, special place in my heart um, for being so kind to me in, in the very beginning of this journey. So thank well, you. The pleasure was, the pleasure was all mine and I'm glad that the journey started and I look forward to as the journey continues. Yeah. It's, it's a wild ride, you know, Yeah. <laughs> so much, so much content and material and history to, to uh, digest, especially art wise. Like, there's so many motif, motifs that are just spinning and spinning and spinning and I keep grabbing at them, but then I get busy with orders, which is amazing. But it's like, oh, I really want to work on this new thing that's been there for five years, but I just haven't had time, you know? So it's really exciting. It's a rich history, a rich, um, aesthetically rich, language rich, food ways rich, music rich. Like it's just, it's just all giving and I could just, I'm just so glad that I'm, um, immersed in it now because we mm -hmm. lived in Philadelphia and then I grew up in Bucks County as you know um and people here have heard a million times but uh it's so nice to be immersed in it so mm. then we ended up collaborating on a second uh, called Davy Apple Butter uh so Penny Olive was mostly based on like my experience and my grandmother's experience and my children's experience kind of like a three-way situation like a triangular um narrative and then for Doug's uh, we went with his sort of experience and growing up on a farm and so I'd love to start off by just asking you how that felt to write that and, um, you know, just sort of what was it like growing up on a farm? Because, you know, I'm from the burbs, so can you take us through that a little bit? Yeah, well, when, whenever you say you grew up on a farm, I think everybody automatically thinks of like a dairy farm and, and you know, a full-time right. job. And, and that wasn't my childhood. My parents both had jobs. Uh, my dad is a carpenter and uh, my mother worked in, in, in insurance. Uh, but we grew up on a farm that was pretty much just like self-sustaining purposes. So we had our own vegetable gardens um, that, you know, we raised enough vegetables every year that we could can and then have food throughout the year. We raised our own poultry. Um, chickens and turkeys, uh, and then uh, had all this land too. We rented some of our fields out to the local neighbor who was also a farmer. Um, so whenever I tell people that I grew up on a farm, I think I always have to put like an asterisk next to it and say, well, it wasn't a dairy farm. Um, although I come from a long line of dairy farmers, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, great-great-greats, all the way back, were always dairy farmers, as were most Pennsylvania Dutch farmers back in the day. Um, but growing up, on, growing up in the way that I did uh, is a childhood that um, – I know I'm very blessed to have had uh, growing up uh, being taught the importance of work, 
hard work, particularly, and that there is outcomes from it that you can, that, you know, that you can physically hold in the sense of, you know, vegetables from your garden or, you know, uh, meat on your plate at dinner time, knowing that the, the, the food that you're eating was raised in a loving situation and our animals only ever had one bad day in their life. And, mm -hmm. you know, that really taught me a lot about, uh, of course, you know, being part of the ecosystem that you're in and growing up in the idea of local. Um, so from that aspect of, of farming, I feel also, you know, being 12 generations here in America, uh, my family, and they were all farmers or they were somehow tied to agriculture. Um, even yeah. though I personally am not a farmer by trade, uh, that truly is uh, what I think my DNA is made up of. Um, yeah. the, the connection to the earth um, uh, and working in conjunction with the earth to produce things, whether it's physically, uh, you know, food, um, but also, uh, everything else that I put forth because, you know, through my, through the other things that I do professionally, I think is also, uh, produced in this connection and this, this reverence for where we've come from. Uh, and particularly, I think, you know, in, we, with the ground and with the earth itself, um, so, yeah, I mean, that was that was my story growing up. I was I was very lucky to have that. Uh, both sets of my grandparents um, lived close by. We spent my brother and I spent a lot of time with our grandparents. We were the only grandchildren for both sets. So we oh, wow. got a lot of attention. Um, we didn't go. My brother and I didn't go to a daycare when we were kids. Uh, we went and we went to my my maternal grandparents and they they got us on the bus in the morning. Uh, you know, when we were in elementary school in the summers, we were there. Um, surrounded by my grandparents all the time. Weekends, we were with my paternal grandparents. So that was truly, uh, in the sense, as a child, I didn't spend a lot of time with my peers, um, especially mm -hmm. when I was a really younger child. In high school, that was different. But, you know, sure. thinking of like elementary school and middle school, the majority of my time was spent with older adults. Uh, and I also think that has a huge influence on who I am today as well. Um, being surrounded by Pennsylvania Dutch speakers, being surrounded by people that grew up in a totally different era and had an idea of what, you know, how hard life can be. A lot of those mm. things were passed on to my brother and I at a young age um, that, you know, if we were running around with other kids at the playground or whatever, we, we definitely wouldn't have had that same experience. Um, so I'm very grateful uh, for having those opportunities as a child, because not every kid gets that opportunity to have such a strong connection with their grandparents and really a strong connection with their parents too. Um, yeah. So my brother and I were very blessed. And I know that he, he will echo that statement that we realize that and we don't take it for granted by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, that's amazing. And I actually had the same experience. I actually um, spent a lot of time with both sets of grandparents um, and it was a very special time for me. And I was much more interested in spending time with family and especially older family as a kid like I was one of those oh. kids yeah no me too <laughs> me like, too no thanks I'm fine I don't feel like going to the park and playing with these uh peers I'd much rather hang out with the old folks and hear yeah. all the stories I mean magical stories so that's so cool and I love the way you talked about um the land because I think there's such a respect for the land too that's very important that um you know you and I talked about with Davy Apple Butter kind of bridging the subject about um overdevelopment and taking of our open spaces. And I think that's a really uh, powerful and poignant point. Um, and a lot of what I'm sort of delving into right now is just about place. And I just keep coming back to how lucky I am. You know, I'm half Pennsylvania and half Welsh. And I certainly can't go to Wales and explore very easily. But like our culture here, I mean, we've been here, like our families have been here for so long. It does feel not that we're native to the land, but it feels right. like 
there's definitely some roots that have grown. Yes. So yes. it's it's just it's an amazing gift to be so close to a place that has gone back for so many generations. It's just palpably an all-encompassing feeling when you visit these places of your ancestors. It just feels it feels like what I used to what you could describe as like the Holy Spirit in church. It feels like mm. that that like filling of your whole body and your senses and it's just like this overwhelming radiating joy. I don't know. I just, yeah, no. I just love. Um, and so my place would be only and um, like Spangsville, particularly, I don't know if you've visited, but um, it's an incredible place. Pennsylvania people need to come and visit if they haven't been, it's just my heart. I will never leave again. <laughs> I left for a short time and I will never leave again. But um, Doug as actually as a profession, you're a German teacher in high school and yep. you have visited the homeland many times, I'm sure. And you've yes. taken students there and you wrapped up a um, project called Hiva Vidriva. I hope I said that right. Yeah, you did. You did. Absolutely. <laughs> I've only been yep. practicing like 10 years. <laughs> um, and that film was so incredible. And uh, I just interviewed Michael Werner and I told him there could have been no other person to choose. Doug was it. And he echoed that 100%. He was like, it was Doug from the beginning. We couldn't think of anybody else that would be so perfect. And just... Uh, how, walk me through that. Like, um, what was that like? I mean, it must have been cool, so cool to be like, you were the string that was like, you know, a, a binding us to them in a very, uh, a very like a palpable and physical way. Although the, uh, the publication's been around for a long time and the idea has been there, but you actually weaved those threads together. So that's very, very cool. And thank you for that work. It's an incredible piece. So uh it's, it's it's yeah absolutely um it's really i never know where to start when when people ask about this film because um you know it all started with a with an email from uh one of the filmmakers who pretty much just said hey uh we have this idea of a project would you be willing to participate and what i interpreted from that email was participate by uh giving you guys some information um maybe giving you some links or putting you in connection with people that you can then you know utilize it right. never really it never really sunk in my head that um a, that it was really going to be a movie in the sense that it was a movie, a documentary. I honestly thought it was going to be more along the lines of something for like closed cable access back in Germany, you know, something like a local PBS station might put together like a 30 minute, sure. you know, here's the story of the Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, and as far as my role, I really thought all I was going to be was a connection for these guys to come over and, and I can put them in connection with other people. But it's somewhere along the lines, they kind of made it clear to me that, no, we want you to actually be the person that walks the audience through this film. And um, that did take a little bit of a kind of like getting that in my mind as to yeah. what that means. Um, sure. And I, a lot I, of work. It was, um, and they really. There was nothing. There was no script. There was never a script uh, for this wow. entire film. Um, literally, when they got here uh, to film here in the United States in Pennsylvania, they got off the plane in New York, rented some, rented a van, drove to Pennsylvania, and uh, that was the first time that I physically. Well, it wasn't the first time I physically met them, but it was this, the the first time I had the opportunity to actually sit down at a length time you know length of time to discuss things with them and uh i was a little surprised that they really didn't have i mean they had an idea of what they wanted to sh what they wanted to prove 
right, they didn't right. have anything. They didn't have anything storyboarded out. They didn't have any list of things like we want to do this. We want to do that. And they yeah. kind of said, all right, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Uh, and oh that's what was kind of like thrown in my lap. And I was like, okay, yeah. yeah, that's great. Let's, let's fly by the seat of our pants. Um, and you know, and I said, well, we'll, we'll spend some time here at the folk festival. Uh, and then we'll, I have some ideas of places we can go. Uh, and we'll just take the cameras with, and we filmed in the end, we had 90 hours of footage. Um, wow. that got edited or 80 to 90 hours of footage that got edited down to 90 minutes as a final product. That's incredible. And like, it was about 45 of those hours were here in Pennsylvania. Um, mm -hmm. so, I mean, we had tons of footage, uh, and then they worked their magic and took that stuff and, and told a story with it. And then the, mm -hmm. and for those who haven't seen the film, it essentially tells the story of the roots of the Pennsylvania Dutch from the perspective of somebody that is Pennsylvania Dutch. The first half of the film is here in Pennsylvania, telling our story, um, how we got here, what we did while we were here, how our language has been maintained, our food, our culture, our traditions. And then the second half of the film takes me to the area of Germany where we all come from ancestrally. Uh, and I essentially go looking for where those things that I know as Pennsylvania Dutch, where they came from and, mm -hmm. you know, what's left, what isn't there anymore, et cetera. That's the basis of the film. But, um, you know, on camera, I didn't, I never really realized, I never thought to myself, Hey, Rachel, you know, my, my personality. I'm not the kind of person yeah. that was like, I'm a movie star. You're going to do what I tell you, you know, here's my rider right. with, I only want brown M&Ms, that kind of stuff. Um, I was, I was very much like, let's do, my focus was let's make this project and, and do it right. And yeah. uh, we'll tell the story the best that we can. That was my, and you know, if I'm on, if I'm on film for five minutes, that's fine. If I'm on film for 85 minutes, that's fine too. It didn't matter to me. Um, but as we started filming, uh, that's when I really realized that I'm going to be in this like the whole freaking time. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I told my wife at one point early on in filming and she didn't, she didn't believe me. I said, no, I, I think this is, <laughs> this is going to be a lot more than what we originally thought it was going to be. Uh, but it ended up being an, an absolutely awesome experience. I mean, then they fly us, they fly me to Germany to, yeah. uh, to film over there. And, and they, they, everywhere we went, we were treated like royalty while we were filming. Wow. It was like this oddity. Here was this guy that spoke our language and, and uh, knows the, these cultural references that nobody knows anymore. It, it was really eye-opening in that sense too. And, you know, when it was all said and done, what surprised me, I was, I was really anticipating how it was going to be received, particularly sure, sure. here in America, because as you know, as, as well as I do, the Pennsylvania Dutch are, are picky. We're, we can be a little, we can be a little finicky sometimes just about a little. just a little bit. So I was truly concerned about how this is going to come across um, for an American mm. audience. Uh, yeah. And then I was really interested how it would come across to a German audience. And yeah. we, uh, we uh, premiered the film in Germany first in April of 18, I think it was 2018, 2019, somewhere in there. And it was met with, unbelievable uh appreciation these germans wow. just loved it they so many germans came up to me after we would have screenings of the film and were ready to pack their bags and come to pennsylvania as a tourist and and travel and see this stuff they were so wow. interested that and they were blown away that our culture exists because a lot of them didn't know you know most right. people outside of pennsylvania dutch culture only associate the amish as the pennsylvania dutch so yeah, if sure. you're if you say you're pennsylvania dutch and you're not amish that doesn't jive for a lot of people yeah. that doesn't make sense and it didn't right. for germans either you know the germans right. have seen the amish in movies that have been portrayed american movies etc um and 
a lot of them had no idea that our culture, our people exist here, that we're still speaking right. this, this language 300 years later, that we eat some of the same foods that they eat, that we carry on these traditions that have died out back in the home country, in the old country, but we still have them here. They were fascinated by it. And I know personally of at least nine people and it's probably more than that, but I know off the top of my head, at least nine Germans that saw the film and the very next summer came to Pennsylvania's tourists. They came to spend yeah. time at the Kutztown Folk Festival. They came to to see these things that they saw in the movie interact with, with other Pennsylvania Dutch people. It was really enriching in that sense. I'm hoping that, uh, and I know some Americans that saw the film said the same thing. Oh, we really would love to go over there and, 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 and see, you know, where my grand, where my grandfather or great, great grandfather came from and, and have stuffed pig stomach in Germany and, and see how different it is from, you know, those little things. So if, if that movie did nothing else, it did build a bridge, I think between yeah. our cultures uh, in a time when when we need to be building more bridges, in my opinion, uh, per oh, yeah. particularly uh, across Atlantic. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, as COVID dies down and things return to whatever we consider normal again, um, mm -hmm. that there will be more Americans that are are interested in traveling to Germany and seeing the the homeland and Germans traveling here to have this, you know, cultural exchange. How wonderful would that be um, if we could do that and get it like a pipeline going of you yeah. know, summer after summer, people going back and forth and and I and both cultures will be enriched by it for sure. Um, for, so, sure. for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that. The movie was. Um, <laughs> there's still times where I don't believe it happened. Honestly, I know, um, and it was such like a big hit in Germany too. Oh my like, god, it was huge! Unbelievable. It's at one point, yeah, for, yeah it, it really it really was at one point we were like number three in the amazon list in germany for this what? small little documentary that was made without I mean, very little budget um like i said kind of planned out but not really planned out um yeah. it, it truly was uh i think well luck plays part of it i'm sure but uh we we were very blessed that we were able to produce a product that so many people fell in love with um, yeah, and, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm so proud of that. So proud of that film. Yeah, you should be so proud. It was amazing. And I, I didn't realize that. I thought they sort of had this all figured out. So you probably had a huge hand in the way that it, the direction it went too, you know? And you were so well, in the know. That you knew where yeah, to I go mean, and like yeah, you know, and I didn't good yeah, job. and I didn't get well. Thank thank you, and I and <laughs> I didn't get any. I didn't get much direction either. Like when when we filmed these interviews, um, the, there was the the filmmakers are our age, so they're younger. Yeah. Um. And yes. and thank we you for saying it. that. We hit. <laughs> I said it about me too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we hit. We hit it off right from the start. You know, yeah, it was like we'd wonderful. known each other, and when we would be, we would tape, you know, film stuff, you know, I, as most actors would be looking for direct, you know, do you want to do that again? How did, you know, what, what are you looking for me and things like that? They never gave me any of that stuff. They just let yeah. me be me and they let mm -hmm. the people that we film be themselves. And I think that's where I really feel in the end that that film is truly authentic. Nothing is, 100%. nothing is, nothing is pushed. There's no agenda pushed yeah. in that film. There's right. no underlying theme or theory that we're trying to like you know coax out of people yeah it's it allowed people both here in the united states and in germany to just be themselves and let them tell their story um and i think that there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from that and i think that's why things like podcasts and what you're doing and allowing people to tell their stories is so important um yeah, i think we've, sure. we've gone away from that in our culture and our society where people don't sit around and tell stories anymore and, and once we stop doing that 
we're, we're losing a huge part of who we are and yeah. where we've come from too. So yeah, and not only do they not tell stories, they don't listen, Doug. Nobody wants to listen. <laughs> I've actually actively been trying to listen more in this year. Um, that's my big takeaway. I listen to my husband a lot more because I'm thinking I gotta like get it all. You know, I gotta see. No, it right, all in, right, right. You know, right. Yeah, but it, it's, it's hard something because that... your brain you're going at such a crazy speed, yeah. and I know you and Jess are working. Um, you're teaching, but um, and things are chaotic. But still, there was this, there was a quiet and calm in this experience that was refreshing and nice to have that time oh i I Um, yeah i agree that film was very cool and i totally agreed i i've been involved in other projects where they felt like there was an agenda or there had to be like an artist that sort of had to like rise to the top you know um and i felt like a hundred percent that felt like a level playing field it was all positive vibes it was super no agenda dr werner is coming out with a book that's a travel guide and i think it's like 800 pages something crazy awesome so it's going to be a guide for Germans to come here and explore Correct. all of the amazing yep. things, which is very yep. cool. So it's like snowballing. But then I also want to mention that I think just to circle back around to teaching, I think that it was such a great role for you because as a teacher and knowing how it feels to be a teacher, uh, they needed somebody with a leadership personality and also just like a get it done person, you know, and that's like a teacher, you know? So I think <laughs> it was a, it, it was a good pick in that way too, because, you know, you see a problem and you create a solution because you're a teacher, yeah. you know? That's true. Have your true. have your students seen the film? Um, some of s- some of them, yeah. I showed it to my upper level kids uh, nice. last year before we got locked down. Um, yeah. And uh, but no, not all of my students have seen it. And speaking, it, it kind of speaks to what we talked about earlier in the sense that for some of my students, they would be done after the first five minutes. Um, <laughs> there's there's <laughs> subtitles. I'm not reading subtitles. I don't have the time to read subtitles. Okay. You know, I, I know, (laughs) I know how to gauge my audience in that sense. So there's certain classes that I'll show clips to. And I know that friends of mine that are German teachers here in Pennsylvania and and, well, other States too, have used the film, maybe not the whole film, but have used clips from the film uh, to talk about Pennsylvania Dutch and how we fit into the bigger German diaspora. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been a wild ride. It's it's really cool, you know, because it's like, um, you know, we felt really special before and I was just kind of realizing how special our people are yeah. and how special this experience is that they went through. But then to see it in film and see, um, and, and also for, as a Pennsylvania Dutch person, seeing the reaction of Germans to it, where I was very terrified because I have in my mind as an American, they hate us, they think we're, so, we're all so stupid and then it would be really easy for them to think like, our culture is just so other right. or whatever, but just to have that feeling of like, it just felt, it felt so good to see them yeah. embrace it and celebrate it and really yeah. get behind it. So, I mean, I think that's a gift that Dr. Werner has also created this bridge for Germans yeah. to be ex- be able to access that. And, and it's been like a very long uh, time that he's been working at, uh, with the publication, Hibbevidurven, doing this work to connect us. And I think it's a, a huge gift for both Americans and for Germans. So, you know, big shout out to yeah, them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and regardless, you know, of all of those things, I think really another really important aspect of the movie was that it told our story for us too. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, you know, we've, our, our people um, for generations have uh, had a negative outlook on ourselves. Uh, yeah. Part of it's yeah. part of it's historical. We can blame it on history. 
part mm-hmm. of it is we had generations before our generation that um, felt that assimilating into American mainstream society is the most important thing for an American to do. And, and yes. I get all that. I understand why we lost an entire generation of Pennsylvania Dutch speakers. I, I, I know, I know why I, and I understand it. I don't, I wish it wouldn't have happened, but I understand why it happened. It makes sense. Uh, but at the same time, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. aside from our art, um, when you really look at the last 50 years, well, plus more than 50 years, I don't think anybody has told our story in a way that makes us look, lack of a better term, cool. And totally. I, it, sound, it sounds weird when I think yeah. about it, but, you know, we, for generations, people would say, I'm Pennsylvania Dutch, but they didn't, a lot of them didn't know what that meant. Uh, or, well, my grandmother spoke this language, but she only spoke it when my, when she didn't want us to know what we were, what she was saying. So it was, I have a Mm -hmm. negative connotation with it, or they eat these really weird foods, but (laughs) I don't understand why they ate them or what, you know, and we went through generations of, 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 of people growing up, not necessarily understanding their heritage, their culture, but also never being encouraged to delve deeper into their culture or their or their yeah. language or or their heritage um and i really think in the work that i've been doing and the work that you're doing and other people in in, a, in the field right now the thing that i notice the most is that um there's been a, a door has been opened for a lot of people um mm-hmm. that are now realizing that you know being different culturally Mm -hmm. ethnically in america is okay and not Mm -hmm. only is it okay it's something that we can celebrate yeah um differences are good uh you know i I am of that opinion um Mm -hmm. and here's where you you know you run into conversations with people about this and right away they start to think well you're anti-american or Mm -hmm. you know or you're not patriotic and Mm. i to me, there's nothing farther from the truth with that statement because as a as a proud Pennsylvanian and, and as a proud Pennsylvania Dutch person of, of, of mm-hmm. you know, multiple generations here in America, uh, I always talk to those people and say, yeah, uh, you know, well, my my ninth great grandfather fought in the American Revolution um, and he mm-hmm. spoke Pennsylvania Dutch and my sixth great grandfather fought in the Civil War and he spoke Pennsylvania Dutch uh, and my grandfather was on a boat in the Pacific in World War II and he spoke Pennsylvania Dutch. How yeah. does that make me how does that make me any less of an American as, as, as a generations of Pennsylvania Dutch people, you know, fought to make this country just physically in warfare in times of war yeah. to make this country great, but also in all the times that we weren't at war as the Pennsylvania Dutch helped develop things like mass transit in America with the introduction of the Conestoga wagon, with the mm-hmm. invention of the Pennsylvania long rifle. I mean, we can list and list and list and list the contributions that the Pennsylvania Dutch have made to America as a story. It no, right. Place. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and taking, yeah. yeah, right. And, um, I think what I, at least what and I don't think I, I know that what I'm finding is now there are generations of people that, and I, I interviewed Patrick Dunmore recently for my podcast, yeah. and he brought up this idea of FOMO, fear of missing out. And I had to yeah. admit, I wasn't familiar with the term, but as we I talked never, about it, no, I hadn't heard it before, so but as we were talking about all. it, yeah, yeah, right. He's, he knows all the slang. He's in the, know. He's, he, he's in the hip kids. Yeah. Uh, but the more I've thought about that, that is what it is for a lot of people. When I get emails yes. from people that are reaching out because they want to learn about Pennsylvania Dutch or because they found my YouTube videos or they bought my textbook or whatever, it's they always say they always give a reason why. I don't ask for it. They always say like, oh, you know, and it's 
I, I grew up with my grandparents. They spoke this language. I never learned it. And now I feel like part of me is missing. Part of my story yeah. is missing. Um, yeah. And a lot of people will say, it's so cool that you're, you know, you're, you, you, you're, you're showing these cultural things that we're doing. That makes me feel cool that yeah. I'm Pennsylvania Dutch. And I yeah. think it's taken us, it's taken us 300 years to get to this point. It really has. Yeah. I mean, we think about yeah, it, it you know, yeah. my grandparents' generation, your, your, our grandparents' generation were very mm -hmm. humble people. And that yeah. is a, a trait of the Pennsylvania. We don't, we don't brag. We don't talk about, you know, what's in our barns. We just, the barns are there, you know, we might put a hex sign on it and that makes them look nice, but we don't go about wearing that on our sleeve. We don't go about saying I'm Pennsylvania Dutch. And for generations, that was, Have you that met was my grandmother. Well, I'm not saying everybody, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I'm telling you, like that's, that's a relatively new in my, in, yeah. in my experience, that's a 100%. new phenomenon. Um, yeah. and I think part of it is that people are realizing that, you know, that last generation of native speakers are in their eighties and nineties. And yeah. when they're gone, that, they're gone. I mean, that generation yeah. is gone. And th then we lose that physical tie to, you know, depression era America, wor the mm -hmm. world wars. Um, when you could walk them down the streets of Hamburg, Pennsylvania and heard nothing but Pennsylvania Dutch on the, you know, on the sidewalks yeah. in the restaurants. Yeah. And, and when, when that door closes, that door's closed. We can never reopen that door. No. And I think no. that that's where people are, are doing, are buying your art are watching mm -hmm. my videos, are, you know, visiting the Cultural Heritage Center. They're doing mm -hmm. that for a reason. It's not because they're mm -hmm. bored. I, they're right. trying to make, they're trying to make connections or they're trying to rebuild connections that maybe they yeah. felt have been broken because of mm -hmm. loss of a grandparent, uh, felt mm -hmm. that they were never introduced to what it meant to be Pennsylvania Dutch or what it actually is, you know. And uh, that's where, um, I don't think any of us ever set out to, with that as our goal to make Pennsylvania Dutch cool. But I think that's what, that's a byproduct of what we've been doing. Yes. And when you have, when you have high school kids that are trying to learn this language that are willing to buy t-shirts with a hex sign on it or with Pennsylvania mm -hmm. Dutch slogans on it, you know, you are, you know that you've done something when, yeah. when a, a generation that's younger than you is into this stuff. So yeah, that's wild, uh, right? it is wild. It's totally wild. And yeah. when you have older generations that for their whole life had been told to kind of like suppress this, so to yes. speak, that they are now throwing that coat off their shoulders. Yes. You're going to make me say, cry. No, but it's, but it's, it's true. And I think it that's the work that, that's, beautiful. That's, that's where we are right now. And for me, I see that as the opportunity that we have thrown it completely open for the future. Yeah. Um, we have set, we have set new foundations for the culture, for the language, for the history that younger generations, that future generations will be able to now take this stuff and take it even farther than you and I ever could have imagined taking Oh, it. yeah. Run, baby. Oh. No, Run absolutely. Hey, absolutely. listen, you, oof, you got me for clumped. What's the best <laughs> word for that, Doug? Well, you can use Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen, you, oh, my God. I did not want to cry. I have not cried in one of these yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> my grandmother and I had a wonderful um, couple of years together after I wrote Penny Olive and got closer to her, lived in Blairtown yep. with her um, and showed her all of your videos. And she was relearning language through you because she had forgotten mm. a lot of it. And it was so special to see her talk about like radiating with like joy. Um, 
when she'd watch them and she'd hear you talking, ask a PA Dutchman, Doug and um, Chris LaRose do this incredible show on YouTube. It's so entertaining. It's so much fun. Um, it was an incredible experience for her and for me and for us to connect like that. So not only um, are people FOMOing, <laughs> yeah. but also you're bringing together the generations who um, I felt like kind of angry for a while that why did you guys leave me out of this? I could have felt belonging so much earlier in my life if you had given sure. me this amazing gift. Why am I learning in my 30s about this incredible gift that we have and how special right. we are and how unique? I could have foregone so much pain and torture I gave myself trying to find myself. Right. Um, and it's it's interesting though, but you know, she just passed away last year and it was like the most incredible couple of years with her. And you played a big part in that. And um, especially with the book, she was so proud of that. Doug. Her name was Olive and she mm -hmm. inspired the book. So um, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my yeah. heart, the work you're doing. I know uh, you just, you're like Dave Klein. It's like, Oh my gosh, how many projects have you done? I was <laughs> writing it down to get ready for this. And I was like, geez, I don't want to forget anything. I totally forgot about Schwetzmoldeich. And then it came right. back to me, but um, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah. Like you said, the next generation is going to be so well-equipped to explore. We've right. given them a lot right, of tools. Right, and, right, right, and I right. feel like you're, such an amazing leader in this community and in and you always have such great um you just have a great positive spirit and i never ever get i think you've been angry one time around me and it was surrounding an event that was not very well uh, organized <laughs> totally worthwhile to be upset about but i remember saying to chris well, I, like oh my god what i've never seen doug not like laughing and jovial <laughs> I know there's those moments, but listen, uh, yeah, you're sure. such a positive, a positive spirit and um, a wonderful person. And I adore your wife and your kids. And uh, <laughs> of course we love Chris and it's just been so nice to have a relationship with you, even though we don't live close, but um, just always feel uh, very much held up when I feel weak by people like you. And, um, mm -hmm. and also your wife is an art teacher as well. We have that in common and uh, mm -hmm. you guys are just great folks. And I'm just so glad we have you in our life. And, and if you, if you don't hear it enough, um, the Tasmania community thanks you <laughs> so much for the, all the things that you do. And, and you're very charitable. Doug's not making a ton of money doing all these amazing things for us, you know, <laughs> and he has a full-time job and he has his own family. Um, he's very active in his church and he's a musician. I mean, he's, he's a very charitable fellow. So if you can, please help support Doug and his endeavors. Um, I'm not sure. Do you have a Patreon, but, um, uh, not Patreon itself, but on all of my YouTube videos, there's a link for uh, a way to, to to support the channel. It's called nice. Buy Me a Coffee. Um, and awesome. that, yeah, um, I would just that's ask so that cool. anybody that's listening to this, of course, check out my YouTube channel and, and click yes. the subscribe button. Uh, and as yes. Rachel said, I do uh, I do have my own podcast. You're more than welcome to check out called yes. Doug's Front Porch, um, which is on it. all the you know iTunes. Uh, Stitcher, all those places you can subscribe for free. Um, and you can delve into the world that, that I'm working on right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be sure to link all 500 links of all the amazing <laughs> gifts that you've given us. I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, how can I forget Swatch Mall Dice? Like, we, we did the second edition together. And then I met um, Mr. Brown through you because of yep. that, which is neat. Uh, that was really cool. Um, Swatch Mall, Mall Dice is a workbook the language and it's mm -hmm. incredible um and it's available through masked off and i will be sure to link everything that i can remember <laughs> sounds good <laughs> and then um what else do you have the other publication the book which i am not going to try and say um the stories Stimme aus dem Karichhof. Yeah, Stimme <laughs> aus dem Karichhof. Uh, voices from the churchyard from the cemetery essentially yeah yeah it's a series that. of it's very yes. cool 
Yeah, it is. It's uh, I'm, I'd like to do a little bit more with that this year. I was thinking about trying to turn it into an audio book somehow nice. so that people could hear the language. Um, oh, so another project on the project yeah. on the back. With all your free time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, listen, I have to tell you, um, you know, I don't know the language very well, but now I'm very proud of myself. Uh, when I was listening to, uh, I guess it was the uh, Christmas on the farm, I was able to follow along like what they were saying. I can't perhaps speak it, but I have the Peter Fritsch CD mm. where he recites his poetry and just yes. hearing it, we had it on during Christmas and like we were like cooking and mm -hmm. stuff and, and my son's super into it. Just hearing it. And also you and Chris, um, you broke and spoke's album, which I absolutely am crazy about. I love this album so much. We listen to it so much. We can only listen in the car because we don't have a CD player, but uh, we're in the car a lot. So <laughs> maybe more than anywhere else. Hearing the language in song and in poetry, mm. it's just, it's amazing. So I, I yeah. love that idea. I'm an auditory learner and visual. So I, I think that's a great idea. Um, segueing to the Broken Spokes, Doug and Chris LaRose are in a band together called the Broken Spokes. Um, this album is probably like one of my top three and I'm like a music not like nut. So I, I really adore this album. I love the old folk songs. I love the Pennsylvania Dutch songs. And I, I love that my kids and I can listen to it and they know all yeah. the songs. And my son oh, loves awesome. the part where you guys shoot off the gun. That's like his favorite part. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> and, and particularly the Mount Mary song. Yeah. Love it so much. Uh, you guys did an incredible job. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, this is an incredible piece of piece of um, piece of music. Um, a very talented musician. Doug plays multiple instruments. Uh, do you have any other musical projects besides Broken Spoke? Uh, you have a lot on your own. No, 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 no. Chris and I are supposed to. Well, we were supposed to go to Germany on a tour this this past summer. Well, Ugh. of course, everything got canceled. Um, yeah. But they rescheduled for this summer, twenty twenty one. So fingers crossed i mean at this point we're not booking any we're not booking any tickets until closer to the time because yeah, yeah. who knows you know you know there's there's know. just there's just no idea um but uh you know through the film um uh, the german audience really took to because we used a lot of our music as in the soundtrack uh for the film yeah. uh and uh there was a big there's a there's a they want us they want us to come over and play some shows so, so um, cool. we're really looking forward to that uh and hopefully this summer it'll happen if not maybe maybe next summer who who knows um but we'll wait and see um but chris and i uh you know once covid's gone and we can do performing and uh, we can perform again um we're always yeah. looking for any opportunities to, especially in the pennsylvania dutch region because we can do pennsylvania dutch music but we can also do music that is pennsylvania dutch themed but in english too for audiences that don't understand the dialect but you know rachel you're right i think um being someone that's musically inclined uh, i think a lot of times people don't realize that pennsylvania dutch is a language in the sense that mm -hmm. it, it just sounds like you know for someone with no knowledge it just sounds ugly like german a lot of people think german sounds ugly but uh you know if you've never heard German poetry recited or German folk songs sang, the language takes a totally different sound. And Pennsylvania yeah. Dutch, I feel, is the exact same way. Yeah, it can, yeah. It can sound harsh uh, to the to the untrained ear, I guess. Um, <laughs> but when you hear it in song or when you hear it in poetry, it does mm -hmm. have a different voice. It has it has a different voice. Yeah. And it's a voice that it, it can be can be lovely, can be mm -hmm. uh, auditorily pleasing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. So we're gonna keep yeah, that stuff I, coming for sure. Keep it going, and and just for people who don't know you folks, um, you guys, uh, Chris was actually one of your students very early on in your teaching career, correct? And that's such a, a long, neat story. A long time ago. <laughs> that's really cool. And you know, it just like um, 
in the short time I've known you guys, just being, um, I mean, I don't know how much younger he is than us, but his his personal growth is just incredible. Oh. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Chris is a great guy. And Chris I'll tell is, you what, uh, he's, he's nine years younger than us. So to okay? put it into perspective. Yep. Yeah. Gosh, we're so old now, Doug. Oh, come on <laughs> now. We're on? mature. We're I'm mature. No, I love it. <laughs> so on the CD, it's featured Doug's um, familial hexine, which is very unique, very, very cool. Um, and the farm that you grew up in on Leesport. Centerport. Leesport, Centerport. Yep. yep. Beautiful, beautiful land, too. Do you have any upcoming projects? That you have uh, in your work. My big goal in, in 2021 is to expand the YouTube channel and keep it going. Um, nice. One of my big announcements, so the things that I just announced actually that I'm really, yes. really excited about is uh, I'm going to be starting a monthly live show on YouTube that'll also be broadcast yes. live on Facebook. Um, uh, once a month, I'll have a, I hope to have a guest on each month uh, and talk about all things Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, in English, so that anybody can watch. Of course, there might be a little bit of language thrown in there, too. But just uh, uh, kind of like a format where we talk a little bit about what's happening in the Pennsylvania Dutch community. If there's if there are any upcoming events, <laughs> probably won't be right now. But um, for example, in the January episode, I have planned out, and we're going to be discussing um, New Year's traditions among the Pennsylvania Dutch. Nice. Some of the things that are that are unique to our culture, where they come from, why we do them. Um, and then every episode, I'm going to have a song and maybe a piece of poetry from the language and just, you know, kind of wrap it up in a nice little, nice little bow and, and send it out there to the world. So, but the nice thing about doing a live stream broadcast like that is it'll be the, any, the audience can interact with me in real time, yes. which I think is going to be awesome because people might be able to share anecdotes uh, or, you know, or they can ask questions Michael. like, well, my, gra my grandfather <laughs> used to do this. Is that Pennsylvania Dutch or was he crazy? You know, that kind of stuff. I love so, that. Um, yeah, we're. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so that's something that 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 uh, will be new for the year. Um, and but besides that, um, yeah, I, I just uh, <laughs> I just agreed to do a, a collaboration project with a friend of mine that's a local historian here in Central Pennsylvania. Um, oh, wow. We have a I have a, a a collection of Civil War letters from a soldier who was Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, wow. and we're going to try and do something with them because they've never been published and most people, uh, his story's never been told. Um, and he actually dies in the war. So I think that adds wow. a little bit to his story, but we have all these letters between him and his dad. And, you know, they, so wrote cool. they, were wrote in, they wrote in English, but you can tell that English wasn't their first language. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's like Pennsylvania Dutch influence in their english and uh mm -hmm. it's really cool so i agreed to partner up with this guy and do a, do some kind of do something with these letters i don't know if that'll happen this year or not but yeah. it's definitely something that's on the is also on the back burner right now so that's super got, a lot, cool. got a lot of pots at the back burner but i'm the kind of person well, that uh you know if, if i don't have stuff on the back burner then i'll go crazy I like i i totally crazy yeah that's just the way that i am that's the way that i'm <laughs> why that i'm wired i guess i don't know well, you paid it forward, so if you need graphic design help, let me know. I'm mm. seeing it all in my head right away, the layout. Like, incredible. <laughs> that sounds so cool. Uh, let's just circle back or rewind for a minute about mm -hmm. um, the live show. I am I am so excited because I would get so excited to see the new Ask the PA Dutchman every so often. I don't know how often you guys did it, but I'd get really excited and we'd all kind of sit down and watch it. But seeing you guys live is like a whole different experience and so funny. I mean... You're not an actor, you say, but you guys have really great comedic timing and, and you're just so funny and so enjoyable and so entertaining to watch. And just like, 
there's never a dull moment. Like there's no, it's just, it's, I leave like with my face hurting from smiling. It's just so much fun. I am very excited about that. That is going to be a fun time for it sure. It should be. It should be. It should be. I'm excited for you. But I'd like to also talk about how like you have taught your children Pennsylvania Dutch, which is so cool. And you grew yeah. up, you grew up with the language. It wasn't your first language, but it was definitely there all along. It's not like yeah, you sort I, of like I, I, learned it as a. Right. As, as I mentioned earlier on, um, right, right, right. As I mentioned earlier, you know, growing up with my grandparents around mm-hmm. me all the time and they, they, all four of them, all four of my grandparents spoke Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, and awesome. they spoke it with each other a lot. Uh, and then if, if we ever mm-hmm. went anywhere, we were always visiting friends of theirs that were old Pennsylvania Dutch people too. So I was constantly, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was constantly around the language growing up, but again, it was at a time period in the early eighties where, there was no way of, mm-hmm. of learning it. And it wasn't that my grandparents were teaching me it either. It was that it was right. there. I heard it. I, I right, learned right. it without knowing it. You know, I learned it without knowing it. And it really wouldn't be until I got to middle school when I had the opportunity to start taking foreign languages. Uh, and of course, I chose German. Um, and, and where I realized, A, how much I actually knew of, of Pennsylvania Dutch that I didn't know that I knew. Um, mm-hmm. And that's also where I started to grow this 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 realization of, hey, it's I thought it's pretty cool that my relatives yeah. speak something other than English. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it, it's always been part of me from, from embryo on probably. Um, <laughs> so uh, when, when my wife and I got married and before we had children, of course we discussed having kids. Uh, and one thing that I asked her was, uh, you know. That's something you discuss ahead of time? We just. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes you get to have that conversation. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get uh, to plan it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but one thing I I I I asked my wife early on was this idea, and I don't. If she was here, she'd say I, I didn't ask her. She would she would say you told me this is what we're doing, um, and maybe I did. You know, I, I I'll I'll look back with rose colored glasses on in that sense. But I mean, it was it was so important to me, and she knew that it was so important mm-hmm. to me that my children would be exposed to to their culture to the language uh from an early stage on i knew the importance of learning a language when you're younger you know how the Mm -hmm. brain develops having studied that um and god bless my wife she was 100 percent behind the idea i mean she didn't speak pennsylvania dutch um she is pennsylvania dutch and and, you know culturally Mm -hmm. ethnically but um she didn't grow up with it like we did um, right. So it was all new to her. I mean, she's learned Pennsylvania Dutch through all of this, too, um, just by hearing me speak it all the time with the kids. So, uh, you know, when my daughter was born, uh, I tried. I set a goal of never speaking English to her, d- directly to her. Now, right, of right, course, right. I tried my best. English, of course, mm-hmm. would come in, you know, and she heard me mm-hmm. speak English with my wife and with other people. But um, I would say I, mean, I have a younger son now, too, so I have two children. Um, I would say 80% of all of the words that come out of my mouth when I'm talking to them is, is Pennsylvania Dutch, 20%. Wow. That's incredible. Um, And they, and this is typical of, of young children that are raised bilingually. I mean, they speak Mm -hmm. English all the time. You know, they go to school, they're around their friends, everything's English in their world, except for me. Mm -hmm. And when they get around their, grandfather and their great-grandfather you know at this point Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um because of where we live in center county there isn't a huge pennsylvania dutch influence other than amish which they will have encounters with from time to time but um they understand everything 
They do. I know because they answer correctly. You know that they Mm -hmm. they don't they don't say stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, Mm -hmm. But they are they are gun shy speaking the language. Um, And I think that'll I mean, that that makes sense. You know, all the research says that that's what happens with most kids. Um, And I I, I think as they're getting older, I aren't I am Mm -hmm. noticing that they are more willing to just speak Pennsylvania Dutch sometimes depending my my son more than my daughter. And I just think that's his personality. He's very he's very outgoing. He's very much like me, I think, in that sense. Um, He's not afraid to just say something. Uh, even if he knows he's making a mistake because then I'll correct him. You know, it's, it's language learning. That's how you learn a language. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a really important goal for me to do that. And I'm, I'm very proud that we've done it so far and hopefully, you know, we can keep it going as the years go on. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's something that, uh, not too many people, our generation can do because not having the language skill. So I, I really felt that with, that it was, um, I owed it to uh well i owed it to this wall behind me of all these family pictures for one to pass it on um and i just felt it was the right thing to do so yeah and 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 you know raising it up and honoring it with the kind of um respect that it deserves after so many so many years of um being told not to speak it you know my grandmother's experience olive was that she was told it was her first language she was told not to speak it and um My grandfather grandfather had his nose broken by his teacher at the one room schoolhouse because he was speaking Pennsylvania Dutch on the playground. Now that would have been in the, in the mid twenties. That would have been the mid twenties. Oh yeah. No, but, but I mean that we had entire generation of (laughs) our people that were, that were hit by teachers with rulers because they were speaking, you know, trying trying to hit the language out of them. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I'm just on your YouTube channel right now. I was going to, I was, just, I wanted to mention, Doug has an amazing amount of, um, oh my gosh, and here's you and Jessica. I was just thinking of that when we were talking about the broken spokes, because I was thinking about how much I adore Keith Frenzenhoff and his wife, CD, where they're, where they're singing together. And I didn't catch this video because I've been very, very busy, but I'm going to get back and watch it because I was going to mention, well, you know, I adore Jeff and um, his wife, Jess, is a wonderful person. And they're both, she's a singer as well. I think in college, you guys sang together. Is that right? Oh, and, we didn't um, sing together, gonna... but we both, but we both did. We went to different schools, but, um, oh, we didn't know yeah, that. We, okay. she did, she um, did sing. Yeah. I, and I was wondering if you had ever considered that. That's so funny. I just saw that pop up, but I'm wondering how long you've been making videos. And I wanted to tell the audience, and I just, I just mentioned this to a Pennsylvania Dutchman in Indiana that he should check out your YouTube video because there's so much on here, so many resources. And especially early on too, you would show pictures too, which is really helpful. I don't know how early on, but everything's like a blur to me, but how long have yeah. you been doing it? I think I started the channel in like, uh, 09, maybe. Wow. Or 2010, so cool. somewhere around there. Um, That's I've definitely, so cool, Doug. you know, uh, I, cause I started, I started my website, which was my blog when I, I started writing first before doing videos. Yeah. And that I started in 09. So I think YouTube came like right around that time period or, or a year after, maybe or two years after, something like that. But yeah, there's a there's a lot, there's a lot of content so on there. Much on here. And I have it, I have it broken down into into playlists. So I have a playlist of uh, what I call my uh, your Pennsylvania Dutch Minute, which comes out every Wednesday. Uh, and yeah. these are short videos that are either language-based, cultural, historical-based. Sometimes I do a recipe, things like that. Um, and That's then as so Rachel cool. mentioned, we have our Ask a PA Dutchman, which is our 
humorous look at things. Um, mm-hmm. And then recently, the la- I think last year or two years ago, I started a weekly word of the word of the week. So every Friday, mm-hmm. a video comes out. They're usually like one to two minutes long. I take a Pennsylvania Dutch word, I give you the Pennsylvania Dutch for it, and then I explain, you know, what it is in English. Um, so it's a way to, you know, build your vocabulary. Um, That's so cool. So, yeah. Yeah, it looks like 11 years ago. I got to the bottom 11 years ago. That's so incredible, Doug. I hope you're able to um, to uh, monetize. I don't really know how YouTube works, but I hope you're getting something back from this because what a gift. I mean, it's just, it's so, like, I can't say it enough. It's just incredible. It's a go-to. I always tell people about you. You know, I'm uh, I'm just, I'm just so, I, I mean, I haven't known you that long. But I'm just so proud of the work uh, that you've already done and you have so much more time to do more work so very nice work I hope and, so. uh, yeah. thank you thank for you. all of <laughs> great job doug <laughs> thank you for all the things you do for us i mean that's so cool um so does that make you 100 percent pennsylvania dutch like, i you, am yes i've done all my you have the red my, hair and my yeah, my, I, aunt, my I, grand I, my grandmother's brothers had red hair and people are like that makes no sense but the germans we have the red hair yeah. Um, no, I've done, I've been lucky to do a lot of the genealogy for my family. I'm able to take cool. it back really far actually on, on yes. all, on, on both sides. Uh, and it is, awesome. when you look at, when you look at that tree, it is nothing but Pennsylvania Dutch names. Uh, I'm about as, as purebred, so to speak, <laughs> as it, as it comes. Uh, it's so actually, cool. it's really crazy. Yeah. Really, really That's crazy. Really, and I've been, really cool. Been lucky enough that we've been able to track down, you know, the the, the generations that came, and we had we know mm-hmm. what towns they came from. Um, wow. Back in Germany, I've been very lucky. Not not every line I can go back right. really far, but some of them I can go back really, really far. And the internet has just been a, an absolute godsend for that. Yeah. Uh, so, That's but like incredible. you said, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I thought it was so cool when we would, um, <laughs> we would go like on cemeteries and visit these old graves. What, what nine-year-old would like that? I did. I thought it was cool. I mean, we, I can take you to all these cemeteries scattered oh, all over Berks County and I can point to that tombstone and say, that's, you know, that's my sixth great grandfather right there. And like, yeah, again, for most people, that's, it's, you know, a lot of people don't even know who their great grandparents were. They can't tell you their names or anything. And, and I, I know that I'm blessed that I can, you know, I can go back into the 1400s on some lines back in Germany. Um, and in Switzerland as well, we have some Swiss roots there, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's cool. I find that stuff fascinating. It is super cool. I do too. And actually my kids really like it. Well, my oldest doesn't really care at all, but my two little ones, particularly my son loves going to uh, visit um, our our past, uh, my grandparents that just passed that Mm -hmm. he got to know. And then our ancestors and just asking me a ton of questions and like, he likes to like run around in the cemetery. I was like, no, 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 don't do that. But it's not like a scary or strange experience. Right, right, right. And I say to him, like, we're going to go visit grandma and grandpa, you know? So right, right, right. That's very, very cool. Yeah, I was that kid too. I know. It's yeah. interesting. But I do feel like um you almost feel them pulling you back into the oh, into sure. your place and where your belonging is. So it's really neat. Uh, it's a great experience. Doug, you are a teacher and just another way that I can gush um with great thanks to you um and Jess as well. Um I can't even imagine what it's the experience is like uh, my brother's a special ed teacher and i know a little bit but um we just thank you so much for i want to say your service i don't know the right verb yeah, no i use, think that i think i think that's the right I think that's word. appropriate I really it's it's basically uh you know kind of like fighting a war this um <laughs> this pandemic so thank yeah. you guys for your service and um 
we continue to keep you in your in our prayers and our thoughts uh, to keep everyone safe well, and you. get through this together. Yeah, absolutely. Right now we are virtual. Uh, however, we are we are planning to be back in the classroom on Monday, next Monday, okay. from today. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, right. We, we've been virtual for quite a long time because our cases were so high. Um, yeah. And we had, we didn't have enough teachers. We, we, had, oh. we didn't have enough teachers um, right. to, to, to run the buildings. So we've been virtual uh, for a while. So this will be going back next Monday will be an adjustment for the kids, <laughs> for the students, but also for, <laughs> for us too. Um, you know, you can, you can say that you're socially distancing in your classroom. You can say that you're, you know, everybody's wearing their mask, but the reality right. is they're teenagers. Right. They don't, it's they don't like hurting the cats. Little, baby. Yes. No, there's a lot of things have... they don't have sometimes, uh, but, <laughs> yes. but it, it's been, uh, you know, it's tough. It, it like, we were yes. in person, we were in person, August, September, October. Uh, mm -hmm. and there were days where I'd walk them down the hallway and I'd be like, this is insane. This is, oh. I, I mean, we had teachers that were having anxiety attacks. We were I'm having, sure, you know, yeah. when you have kids that are, I mean, it's, you know, for those of you that don't teach and you only have this idea of what school was like 20 years ago when you were sitting in high school, you know, times right. have changed a, but B, mm -hmm. I can't effectively do my job if I can't work with a kid one-on-one -on -one or, you know, right. pointing to something on their paper or, you know, right. just having those conversations with them that need to be had. And when you're doing sure. that through masks, when you're doing that from six plus feet away and you can't have those intimate moments where you really yeah. build the learning and mm -hmm. where you build the relationship that you need for the learning to take place. Um, I mean, it was, it was so, the environment was so sterile and mm. uninviting that it was well a it wasn't fun i didn't i didn't enjoy my job uh for one of the mm -hmm. first times in a long time in my career yeah. uh you know and teaching virtually okay it got me out of the germ situation but sure. uh, you know it's not effective i mean it's it's not no. as effective of course i mean it can mm -hmm. be effective but it's not it's not ideal um so there's a part of me that's really excited to get back in the classroom but then there's also a part of me that's really you know a little scared too sure um, of course you know I don't know what these kids are going home to as far as, you know, coronavirus and these kinds of right, things. Does right. grandma have it? And they're out partying on the weekends. I know they are because they oh, tell yeah. me they are, you know. <laughs> yeah, so we it's, see them here. Yeah. yeah it's we uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, There's whippersnappers walking around just <laughs> willy nilly without masks on. Can you imagine? When we were growing up, so Doug and I are the same age, essentially. Um, he's got a couple months on me, but, you know, like, imagine the freedom we had just being able to walk down the street with our friends. It's like, my heart breaks for them, but I also yeah. like, you know, I want, I, I want us all to get through this carefully. And my brother's in high school too. He's teaching in high school. So it's hard because he's experiencing the same thing. I think the elementary kids have a little bit more grace with this, oh. but uh, yeah. And you know, your wife's an art teacher. So I, I'm an art teacher too. I can't even imagine trying to teach through this. So I give her mad props. And she also has a podcast as well which she i will does. link as well it's an incredible oh my gosh talk about tears um it's an incredible body of work that she's doing too so you guys are a wonderfully creative um family and and your daughter's learning um the fiddle or the mm -hmm. violin what do you guys call uh, it both both depends <laughs> yeah, on the song exactly. right? <laughs> it's very cool so before we go doug real quick i have two more things um list yes. the, the instruments that you know how to play so we got the mandolin 
what else? A guitar, of well, course. Well, I started out in elementary school. I started out on saxophone, and I played that throughout right. school. Uh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so violin. Uh, yeah, not violin. I'm sorry. Now you got me thinking of my daughter. Uh, mandolin, <laughs> uh, guitar, banjo. Um, sing. I sang throughout college. Singing has always been a really important part of, of my musical journey. Um, I can I can get by on piano uh, good enough to get myself in and out of trouble. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I guess that's it. I don't know. Yeah. And then the other thing, um, what the heck is it called? You just had it for uh, Auld Lang Sang. Oh, my little banjo lele. So it's like a ukulele. Yeah. I can play ukulele uh, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I love it. I love the music. It just, um, it feels like what it feels like going to Oli. It feels like that mm. coming home. Just the sound. And it's so funny you mentioned because people do think German. And I always found German to be kind of like, uh, I don't know, like different yeah, no, right. for me. But when I hear Pennsylvania Dutch, it feels so good. It's so funny that other people experience it so differently, right? Well, what, and what it's a lot of people don't realize, I think Pennsylvania Dutch is very sing-songy as a language yeah. when it's spoken. Um, yeah. Which German can be, uh, but it's. I think Pennsylvania Dutch is unique in that sense. We do have a much more sing-songy way of talking. And yeah. it carries over into people that learned English as their second language from Pennsylvania Dutch. When right. you hear an old Pennsylvania Dutch person speaking English, they have that cadence, that rhythm yes. that comes from Pennsylvania Dutch. And I think that's unique to us uh, in the Germanic language family. Um, yes. So I think that's pretty cool about our language, too. Yeah, I love that, so. too. It's kind of it's um, it's a little more laid back or something. I don't know. Oh, it is. Absolutely. A little more chill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, so. For my last question for you, Doug, it would be um, being Deitch in one word. What would you, what word would you pick to um, encompass that? Rachel, I really. It can be no Pennsylvania Dutch. It can be English, whatever you, whatever you pick. There must be a Pennsylvania Dutch word that we don't have in English that's like. What it means to be Deitch. That's kind of what you, whatever. What, what it means to be Pennsylvania Dutch. Being Deitch um, in your, in your shoes. Oh my gosh. That's a great, great question. Oh my gosh. I'm so I don't know what to say though. I mean, in, in a lot of words, I could tell I could give you a really long answer, but um, I think out of all the Pennsylvania Dutch people in my family and the people that I know, I think one of our, one attribute, an adjective that describes us well is determined mm. um, in anything that we do in life. Yeah. Uh, we are a, we are a very driven people and a very determined people sometimes to the, to the, to the point of it being negative. Um, yeah. but, and a lot of times also to the point of being positive, my grandfather mm -hmm. always said to me and still does, uh, this phrase in Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, which translates into literally translates into keep going until it stops. Oh, it, I love it. life, life, who knows? Yes. My grandfather's 95 and, up until this year, he was still out shoveling the snow off his driveway. He was mowing his grass. And, you know, if I have half the genes that he has, God help it, I'm, I'm going to be okay. But that phrase has always stuck with me. Through thick mm. and through thin, when times are tough, you just keep going. You just yeah. keep going till it stops. When times That's are good, great. you just keep going till it stops. So yeah. um, that, like living that phrase- in the present. Yeah, don't Absolutely. worry about when this amazing thing is going to end. Just enjoy it while it's here. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, and, and keep and keep going. Don't stop. Yeah. You know when it. Yeah. You know, so yeah, McGainup is a stop. So that's where I kind of get this idea of, of determined, driven. Um, yeah, I guess that'd be my answer. Determined. 
there. How's that? That's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Doug, thanks so much for joining us. This has been wonderful. Thank you for the invitation. It's always a pleasure oh to, to catch up with you. And and uh, I think we had some great conversation tonight. For Usually sure, I'm the one sure. asking questions, so it's refreshing to be on the other end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was fun. <laughs> it, it's really fun. And listen, everybody, you got to check out all of, all of Doug's amazing work. And especially um, the podcast is very enjoyable for me. He's uh, Doug's front porch and he's sitting mm-hmm. down with people he knows and having conversations. It's not necessarily um all Tanzania Dutch people or right. having any theme or it's just he's a great conversationalist, a great human, and it's just fun to listen to the stories and many, many tears and many, many joyful um belly laughs have come from your podcast for me. So thank you very much for that gift. Very good timing with this pandemic. Yeah. We needed that. So right. How about it? <laughs> truly, yeah. truly, truly, really. And I'm very excited for the live show. So thank you, Doug. Yeah. Please Looking give give your family lots of hugs and kisses and um many greetings from the Bark Conde. Sounds good. Sounds <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> you got a little dice. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, Doug. And Mock Scoot. Mock Scoot. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Take care of yourself. Stay out of trouble. Yep. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)